recorded live. Hi, ladies. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Power of a Praying Wife study call with D. Um, I'm going to ask that you give us a few minutes so we can wait for a few more uh, of us of, of our fellow sisters to uh, join in. One moment, okay? I'm here, but I'm I'm, I'm going to be on mute just to wait. All righty, it's 8.05, and we're going to get started. I don't want to keep the uh, ladies who have joined on time. I don't want to keep you, but I also want to make sure that um, we waited uh, for the rest of our sisters to join in. I want to say welcome, welcome, welcome. This is V from vspeaks.com. That's V-E-E speaks.com. And tonight we're going to be going through Chapter 17, uh, his relationships in Stormiel Martians, The Power of a Praying Wife. We're doing a quick and a rapid uh, run-through, although we've been doing it for some time now. And um, if you don't know, um, 
I mentioned last call that we want to try and get everybody together at the end of the call. Um, we're located in nor- northeast New Jersey, and um, it would be lovely to see the uh, faces behind those who are on the line, just to get an idea of uh, how you felt, what you thought, any questions and things of that nature. So if you think that's something you might be interested in attending, it'll probably be more toward the end of the summer. Um, give me, Let me know. Uh, you can inbox me on Facebook if you have my um if we're friends on Facebook, or you can post in the group, or you can just send an email to z at zspeaks.com. That's z-e-e at zspeaks.com, and we'll take whatever suggestions, whatever you guys want to do. Uh, but I do think it's important that we get together to just um, know that this thing is real, this encouragement, this fellowship, everything that uh, – you know, we've done together here is very real and that we are really in support of one another um, being successful in love. And, you know, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. But it's a good work. And uh, within the work, sometimes there's a fight. So we want to make sure that we're fighting the wrong fight. Before we get into the call, uh, I just want to say that a lot of us, we'll come to the place where we feel we're done. Um, I'm finding this out quite a bit this week with uh, some of my clients and even some of my friends and things of that nature. Uh, we, we're, we're done. I'm just not going to deal with this anymore. I'd rather just be done with everything. And it's understandable. We've put up with so much. We've done so much. We've given up so much. We've sacrificed so much. All those kinds of things. But when we look at the reality of the situation, we are exasperated and exhausted because we lost the fight. Well, not, not because we lost the fight, because we fought the wrong fight. And it's something about fighting the wrong fight that will drain all of your strength, leaving you unable to fight the right fight or fight it the right way. So we want to make sure that um, when we look it over, is it a matter of, you know, him not uh, understanding what you need, or is it a matter of him needing to be made whole? And are you fighting with him to say, you're not giving me what I need instead of fighting in prayer? to remove the root of that very thing as to why he feels he can't, if you want to say, put you first to meet your needs. Um, We get tired of having to defend ourselves in that particular case. We get tired of having to defend ourselves to say, you know, you're not doing this, you're not doing that, and, you know, this is what I need, this is what I need, this is what I need, or this is what I want. And sometimes... um, Well, most times we find out that it's not working, it's not sticking. And when it comes down to it, it may just be that he has an insecurity issue uh, regarding giving you what you need because he's afraid um, of whatever. Maybe he's afraid you'll leave. Maybe he's afraid of what he does have to give you won't be satisfied with. There's all kinds of reasons behind why we do what we do or don't do what we don't do. But uh, we want to make sure 
that we're fighting the wrong fight and that we have strength left for the right journey, okay? Because the last thing you want to do is give up on, uh, you know, a good man, a great man. And, um, you know, um, next thing you know, some woman that he meets after being separated or divorced or done, broken up or whatever, you know, status you find yourself in. Next thing you know, he'll find another woman who's willing to uh, get on her knees. And I say that not just in the prayer form, but who's willing to get on her knees, uh, you wives out there, and um, fight the battle where it matters most, regardless of what he's producing, because they understand that they are so powerful in their nurturing, in their nourishment, and they are so connected to God that if they take it to him and continue to do whatever God has instructed them to do, that there will be victory over this issue of not getting what you need. And the first, I want to say, three years or five years of marriage, you may not get what you need. That's a long time to have to fight the wrong battle. It's a long time to have to say, keep saying to someone, this is what I need from you, and, it's, and you're asking for the same thing. Not that you're being greedy, but you're asking for the same thing. But it's even greater if you're married, you know, for 45 years and you have 30 or 40 or however long uh, where he's always considered you. So if you're going to pay your price, Make sure you pay the right price. You don't want to pay your price for something you don't need. You want to pay the price for something you want and something you need, okay? So I just want to uh, make sure that I encourage you to uh, fight the right fight, okay? All right. Uh, If you're new to the call, um, I usually do a brief introduction, and then we go into prayer, and then we go throughout the book, and then uh, we close in prayer. I usually, um, as of now, I have been keeping the lines closed. But if you feel like you want to ask a question or you want to say something, let me know by logging on to www.talkshoe.com slash TC, T like Tom, C like Charlie, slash 130 Four one zero, and a chat will come up. Uh, a chat box. You can type right in there, um, or if you go on to talkshoe.com, you can look up High Ride Blog, H Y R Y Blog, and you can also pull up the um, the chat box that way, and you can ask me whatever questions as well as listen online. So uh, I thank you so much for joining us. I uh, definitely appreciate the time that you've taken out. Uh, I know uh, that's something that we don't always necessarily have, and the fact that you've decided to spend it with me uh, for my two cents of godly wisdom is worth more than that to me. But you know, I don't want to. I want to remain humble. So um, the fact that you decided to spend it with me, um, I appreciate it. 
and I thank you for it. So let's go into prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you, Yeshua. We thank you, Jehovah Nisi, for being our God of victory, for being victorious in our situations, victorious in our lives. We thank you for being victorious in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls, and in our spirits. God, we thank you for being victorious in our relationships with um the one that we love, oh, Lord God. We thank you for helping us to be successful in our relationship with you, that we would hear you all the more, that we would look to hear you all the more, that we would seek your face, that we would want to know what you think about this. How do you feel about this? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to act? God, help us to consider you in all things, for you have written every entire plan for us and for the man that we love. You have written the entire plan for the family, oh God. You have ordained family. You have ordained marriage. And we thank you for doing what it is that you have already done. We decree and declare today that we shall see success, that we shall see victory, hallelujah, which means that we will see you right in the middle of our circumstances. And God, as we continue to look forward to uh, see what to do about this man through this book. We ask that you continue to illuminate our ear, our, our vision and uh, intensify the hearing of our ears so that we are receptive to you, Holy Ghost, to uh, do what it is that you would instruct us to do. Thank you for being our comforter, Holy Ghost. You are certainly welcome in this call. And Lord God, we thank you. We welcome you, Jehovah Nisi, and we look forward to what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so again, chapter 17, his relationship. Stormy goes on to say, isolation is not healthy. We all need the influence of good people to keep us on the right path. Every married couple should have at least two strong believing couples with whom they can share encouragement, strength, and the richness of their lives. Being around such people is edifying enriching, balancing, and fulfilling, and it helps us keep perspective when things seem to grow out of proportion. Having the, having the positive qualities of other people love off on us is the best thing for a marriage. For a marriage. I also want to add in that sometimes, because uh, um, Stormy says, having the positive qualities of other people love off on us is the best thing for a marriage. That's true. But there's nothing like she also says, being around such people, is uh, the, the people who uh, have positive qualities, is edifying, enriching, balancing, and fulfilling. And it helps us keep perspective when things seem to grow out of proportion. I do want to say that there are some people in your life who um, are in a relationship, in a marriage, are just leaving or, you know, can recall a story from a previous time in their relationship, what have you. There are some people that will confide in you about what they're going through with their companion, and it will make you feel blessed. It will make you feel like, okay, that thing that I was arguing over is very, very petty. I'm going to get over it. We're going to try this thing again, or I'm going to seek God. I know God's been telling me to forgive them, but I've been holding on to unforgiveness. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just get through this because what my friend is going through, what sister girl is going through, I've never had to deal with when it comes to him and a day in my life. 
and um, uh, you want to continue to pray for them, pray for that kind of couple, but it also helps you keep things in perspective when you hear what other things they're going through. I remember um, two evangelists that brought me to the church that I just um, I resigned from, as a matter of fact, uh, this past Sunday. That was bittersweet. But um, uh, two evangelists who uh, brought me to that church, we were there for 12 years, and um, uh, Evangelist uh, Skinner and Evangelist Six, they would go to a place called the Apostle House. It's a um, place in Newark. It's a, a women's shelter right there in Newark. And um, the three of us were kind of in the same boat as far as finances and trying to make things come together and, you know, frustration with our companions. It just seemed like, you know, we were in the same boat, of course, of course birds of a feather flock together. But we love God, and uh, we made sure that we sought him. So um, we would go down to the Apostle House, and it always seemed like every time we went, uh, before we went, we, we would get so tired. We would get so tired. It was every excuse, not enough gas, car, and it was just always some type of excuse. But we were pressed. And by the time we got finished seeing these young women, middle-aged women, and their children living in one room, sharing one kitchen, one TV, um, you know, maybe having to fend to keep their things because there were some women and some children who, you know, they didn't have, so they went and took, okay? Uh, Hearing their stories about how they got to the Apostle House, why they're there praying for them, and just, you know, them looking for us to come. Every time we left, we had no issue. We may have gone in there feeling, you know, the weight of the world on our shoulders, but by the time we came out, we had no issue because we realized that it could be so much worse. And I know that's cliche, but it's the truth. And if we start just reading the news and, you know, doing what we're supposed to do, visit those who are sick, you know, uh, write to those who are in prison, and we start talking to people, we'll get really, really grateful about where we are and what we're doing and how it's going. Uh, Even if we need to, you know, make things better, we'll get happy, okay? So um, a lot of times we're not exposing ourselves to communicate with other people. And when we do, we find out that um, we got it better than quite a few, okay? All right, so back to what Stormy is saying. Uh, Stormy says, I remember one time when Michael and I had an argument just before we went just before we were to be at another couple's house for dinner. On the drive there, we sat stiffened in, in stiffened silence, and all I could think about was how could we, how we could possibly get through the evening gracefully without making the other couple very uncomfortable. When we arrived, the warmth, love, and rich godliness we felt from them infected our thoughts and emotions. Soon, we were laughing and talking and having a great time, forgetting about what uh, had just transpired previously. What those two people had was not just a let the good times roll party spirit. It was the joy of the Lord, and it wore off on us. We've witnessed the exact same thing happen in reverse. 
There have been numerous times when a couple in the midst of marital strife came to our house for dinner and went away with peace in their hearts. One particular couple even called just to say that, uh, just to say before, let me stop. Let me read that again. One particular couple even called just before they were to arrive when the dinner was completely ready to say that they just had a bad argument and couldn't possibly be enjoyable guests. I told them we completely understood having experienced the same thing ourselves, but that we wanted them to come even if they sat in silence all night. Besides, you need to eat, I said. If necessary, you can sit at opposite ends of the table. It took some persuading, but they came, and it turned out to be a highly enjoyable evening for all. We even ended up laughing about what transpired earlier, and they left hand in hand. Uh, I just want to stop right there. I don't know how many people, you know, believe or don't believe in uh, talking to somebody, psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, what have you. Uh, me personally, I think if you're going to get a checkup uh, on your body, it's good to get a checkup on your emotions, um, on the way you think, the way you perceive things. You can get a checkup on everything. My heart, soul, body, and spirit, I don't think there's anything, uh, you know, wrong or with that. So um, when um, – bear with me. Okay. So when uh, we do that, we get to see – and I'm going to share something personal. I remember one time um, I, I just want it out. I just want it out. If I could just be done with it, then I don't have to do all this hard work because I am tired. And the type of girl that I was, I, had, I was tired. I came here tired. Okay, that's how I feel. I feel like I came here tired. So uh, I wanted out of my marriage. And uh, because I still love them, it's not that I wasn't willing to uh, talk about it. So we went to see, you know, a family counselor, and um, he says to me, you know, Nzinga, the because uh, he asked he asked me a question, and I started to cry, and he said that's an indication that you don't really want out of your marriage. You just are desperate for change. And then he told me, you need to go to the doctor as well and see what's going on because if you haven't been sleeping good since you were uh, uh, 16, there's a problem there. And it may not necessarily be <laughs> that uh, your husband is the issue. It could just be that anything anybody is doing is an issue because you're very irritable. You're tired of being tired. So go and get that checked out. And when I went and got it checked out, it turned out that I had no iron. No iron in my system. The doctor was looking at me in amazement, like, I don't even know how you came here. You don't feel like you're ready to drop? I said, no. He said, I'm very concerned that you have no iron. So he uh, prescribed some, uh, uh, I don't know if it was folate or folic acid plus the iron. It made me feel kind of funny. I didn't like it. It kept me up too, too much throughout the night. I was like, this is not what I paid for. Uh, this is not what I expected. So I started changing my diet and things of that nature, eating a little more beef because it does have uh, iron in it and greens and lentils and all those things, and I noticed that I felt better. But I also noticed that I didn't feel better. I didn't feel as good when I was stopped. So um, I had to have a continuous, continuous method to make sure that I induced 
you know, that irons to my system a more natural way, if you want to say, so that I wasn't so irritable. And I found myself um, having the energy to work out. I found myself having the energy to um, do a whole lot of things. Not while I wasn't so tired, because I still did what I did, but I just found myself doing a whole lot of things with energy. And it had a positive effect on my marriage. So um, I know we, we're kind of, uh, especially if you're African-American or Latino, uh, Latina, we we don't really, our moms teach us, no, no, no. What goes on in my house stays in my house. What is my business is my business. You don't talk about it to anybody else, and you're sure enough not going to talk about it to anybody, you know, as an adult, you know, because Spanish moms and black moms, they they feel like they still own you, even when you were grown, okay? But, um, and, you know, it could be some other moms too, but uh, that's just what I know. So um, I'm encouraging you to talk to somebody. Do not be a go-ahead. You don't have to talk to them all the time. Get a checkup. If you know somebody that's a coach or that has a gift for counseling and you know that they're not a leaky bucket, okay, you don't want to be pouring all your stuff into their bucket and they have a bunch of holes leaking out. That's not what we want to do. But if you know there's somebody that you can talk to, talk to them and let whatever it is that they have a positive to offer run, uh, rub off on you because it will and it can make a difference if you apply. If I didn't go to that doctor to see what was going on with me, um, and isn't that always an issue, if I didn't go to the doctor to see what was going on with me, I would have never known that I had had such a severe iron um, uh, deficit. So anyway, Stormy goes on, she she uh, starts, you know, she goes on to say, being good friends with godly people who love the Lord doesn't just happen by chance. We must pray that such people will come into our lives, and when we find them, we should continue to cover the relationships in prayer. I brush through that because um, I have a passion for people and the connections. Now, I, I, want, I want to stop there because... Um, I believe in bonds. Be like boy, O-N, D like David, S like Sam, bonds. Not socks and bonds. Not, I'm not saying I don't, you know, dip and dab and those. What I'm saying is I believe in the bonds that connect one heart to another, that connect one soul to another, that connect a mind to another. I believe in that. I believe in its strength. I believe in its power. It could take just one call, one hug, one smile, one hello, one, you know, oh, here's something nice for you. That one thing that can make you feel like you can get through that day. And if you get through that day, you'll get through the next. And I think that there's a problem that we have, especially women, where we overlook friendship. We overlook the value that our girlfriend has. And let me tell you something. She could be a fast-tailed girl, okay? All right, she may have that issue. She may even have an issue uh, of being a thief, okay? She may have that issue. Um, She may, you know, run off at the mouth. And, you know, she may, everybody's got their issues. You got it too, okay? But when that heart is golden with wisdom, you want to make sure that you nurture and you cultivate that relationship because the essence of it 
And people will say, oh, you know, you lay down with dogs, you come up with sleep. <clears throat> and I remember hanging with a young girl um, when I was younger. And um, she was fast. I mean, it's, it's, it's no way to put it. If I, if I wasn't saved, I'd say she was a garden tool. I mean, she was just fast. And she knew it, and she let everybody else know it. And there were times I'd be waiting outside the house for her to get done what she was doing and come on, let's go. But when she saw me, she was able to be a little girl again. She was able to be a young girl. And by the time we got finished talking, I understood that both her parents died and that the brothers who she was, who were left to care for her weren't so brotherly. And so um, she offered herself the wrong way, but her heart was golden. It still is. It still is golden. And bless be God, she's calmed down. She, you know, she ain't about that, you know, that, that, that garden to life. But her heart was so golden, and we had such good times that she's, when I think about my childhood friends, she sticks out to me most prevalent over everybody. And everybody told me, you need to stop hanging with her. They're going to think you do that. And they can think what they want to think, okay, because they're not, uh-uh, I'm not. But uh, they did. <laughs> They did anyway. They thought I was the same way, and I had to help them understand, listen, I am not that way. That is my friend, but I don't roll like that. Um, It's also something that she never forget. She never forgot because there were a lot of people who came into her presence that treated her according to her symptom, but they never looked at the root of her heart, and, uh, and they didn't love her. So when she thinks of me, she thinks of me in that way. You love me anyway. You were there for me anyway. You took, you you know, you took an L for me anyway, not doing anything. And it inspired her to do something different with her life. So I want to say that um, everybody's not going to be perfect. But when you know that you have a good friend, oh, my God. God, you need to cherish them. You need to hold on to them. You need to make sure that you're praying for them, that you're considering them. And I know it's like, oh, God, here she go telling us something else we got to do. We're here to consider the man and the kids and ourselves. And now the friend better believe it. You got enough time in the day. You got enough time in the lifetime. You have enough strength for her. And if you don't have it, then get it because she's worth it. But furthermore, the benefit comes back to you, and you're worth it. Other bonds we um, can look over, um, bonds with, um, you know, our companions. We We always look at what's wrong instead of what's right. And when we have a tendency to focus on what's wrong, that's all we can see. That's all that we can see. It works just like a goal. If you have a goal, to get down to 130 pounds, and I say that because Lord knows I'm trying, even though I'm going to Olive Garden tonight, help me. <laughs> but the goal is 130, okay? Now, if I focused on 130, I could not see pasta with the chicken, nor the Bellini tea, nor the tiramisu. I can't see all that if I focused on 130, okay? But I'm not focused on 130. <laughs> I'm focused on 
the tea and the pasta and the tiramisu. So uh, it's the same thing. If all we can see is what he's doing wrong, then that's all we know. And the same way we have uh, to overlook some things that our girlfriends do is the same way that he's entitled to overlook some of the things that his homies do, okay? Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty, right? Uh, Men need friends. Our problem is that they may not have good friends. And our problem is that we think that we are very capable of maintaining a status of exclusivity in our relationship, and they are not. So I can hang with my girl that's a stripper, but you can't hang with your friend that's a hustler. I can hang with my girl who, you know, got a gambling problem, but you can't hang with bruh since the eighth grade because he not only likes his wife, but he likes every other woman he sees. And what we do is we tell them, I can trust me. And this is literally what we say. I know y'all know, I can trust me, but I can't trust you to make the right choice. And um, that's where the real problem is when they knock on the door. You know, that's the real problem is when they get that call, come on, let's go out, let's chill, let's do this, let's do that. Because we don't trust them to make the right choice. We don't trust them. Um, to make the right decisions, to honor the relationship, to honor the bond, to honor the vow when it's right in their face or maybe even in their lap. Um, But if you are rubbing off on him, because we like to look at bonds uh, differently, that we like to change the principal theme behind the bond depending on what type of bond that it is. And it's okay in some instances to do that, but the fact of the matter is, if you're good for him, then you're rubbing off on him. And if he's good for you, then he's rubbing off on you. But if uh, you're not good for each other, and I need you to consider that, ladies, Because if you're with the wrong man, I said earlier in the beginning of the call, you're fighting the wrong fight, it makes you tired. I don't even want a man. I done been through so much, you know, crap that I don't even want to be with a man. Meanwhile, your real Adam, your real husband is right there in front of your face. And then you're missing out, okay? That's not what we're here to do. We're not here to go through all this foolishness by ourselves forever. That is not the plan. Okay, man, it is not good for man to be alone. Well, who do you think he has for him? Okay, so uh, the same way we rub off on our girlfriends and our girlfriends rub off on us positively. And the same way we can, uh, even though she might be a little fast, we can maintain, uh, you know, our wholesomeness, if you want to say. He has to have that opportunity to. And it's very hard because if he fails, then he crushed, he he's crushed my heart. He's humiliated me. He's made me to, into being a fool. There are some times in my marriage where I have been humiliated and it wasn't necessarily at the hands or fault of my husband. It's just something that we had to go through in the face of people. 
circumstances beyond our control, you will go through. I need us to get it out of our minds that life and these relationships are going to be a piece of cake. They get better and they bring such joy to your life, but it is work. Life is work. People are work. You are a piece of work, and so am I. So if you don't go through with the right one, you're going to go through with the wrong one. And how crazy is it that we'll go through with the wrong one, let them exhaust us and exasperate us so that we refuse to go through anything with the right one. We've got to fight the right fight, and we have to make sure that the same opportunities they afford us, because they know girlfriend is fast, okay? They know your friend is fast, but they trust you to make the right decision. The same opportunities that we are afforded, we need to afford. And if they mess up, if they humiliate you, you have to absolutely know that that is the right one, because you're not going to go through this stuff for nothing. You got to figure out how to get through it, how to get past it. And if he loves you, if he truly believes that you are the right one for him, he's going to make a change. He'll he'll make a change. He'll do it until he believes it, if that's the way it has to go, okay? So I just want to make sure that when we consider our bonds, when we consider our relationships, um, you know, mother, daughter, sister, sister, um, you know, all these types of things, that we're not overlooking the fact of how precious one can either build you up or tear you down. When you let them in, they have a lot of power. And, ladies, we can't give that power to just anybody. It's the same way you pray about God, I need to know if he's the one that you have for me. It's the same way you need to break. God, I need to know if she is the friend that you have for me. And if she over here is the confidant that you have for me. You know, a confidant is somebody who um, will see you at your worst and never change their mind about who you really are. Okay? And then we also need to pray, God, should I really be listening to my mother? You know, she's been divorced a few times. She's been remarried, and I've seen some things in her new marriage where she ain't so, you know, she's, you know, done more damage than she's done good. God, should I really be taking her advice? Should I really be listening to his daddy? Should he really be listening to his daddy, especially after he looked at me like I was a shish kebab on a grill last weekend, okay? You know, we have to make sure that we're, guarding our bond with prayer and nurturing and that we disconnect the bonds that God does not want for purpose. I'm not telling you go out there, see, I told you he wasn't no good. I told you this is what your daddy did. I'm not saying that you have to go that far. What I am saying is that prayer is going to set it up to grow or tear it down. It's not necessarily a fight that you have to fight. If he has no business hanging with homie and you talking to him about it, guess what? Homie, oh, yeah, I know your girl ain't going to let you go. She got you on the beach. She got you tied down. She got you mm-mm wet. Okay? I know she's going to have a fit. And you better be careful because some of them want you to have a fit. And some of them want you to have a fit so you can put them out so they can move in. Watch it. 
it's, it's, it's real out here in these streets, okay? So you have to be very, very careful. All you got to do is pray. And next thing you know, oh, you ain't going out tonight? Nah, I'm through with him. Last time he got so pissy drunk, I was so embarrassed. I'm good. I'm being right here with you. And you'll be surprised at who will tell them, hold on to your girl. I know I'm out here with a different broad every night, but if I had a girl like you, I wouldn't be. Hold on to your girl. As a matter of fact, I did have one, and I messed it up. Can't get it back. Hold on to your girl. Stay with your wife. We have to make sure that we're allowing God to um, process. Okay, let me go because that was long. Let me go back to what Stormy says. Stormy says, we should also pray the bad influences away. The Bible says we must not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And when we look at that scripture, we must not be unequally yoked. Yoked is tied together. If you've ever seen two animals um, that are plowing, they have something on their shoulders, I guess you want to, or around their necks, let's say that, that are holding them together so that they walk in sync, okay? But if they don't walk in sync, then the the plowing is off. It's, it's, It's not good. And um, plowing needs to be strategic because you want an even harvest. You don't want a scattered harvest. You want an even harvest that's easy to pick. And that's very spiritual. I hope we caught that. So when the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, he's not just talking about marrying if you're a Christian marrying a Muslim. He's not just talking about if you're, uh, you know, a saved woman marrying, you know, a drug dealer. He's talking also about people that don't believe the thing that you do. If you don't believe that love, if he does not believe that love can cover a multitude of both of your faults, then do not be yoked. He is unequal to you. If he doesn't believe in the fact that uh, your God is good and able, then you are unequally yoked. You are connected with somebody who is not your equal, and you will either not have a harvest or it will be scattered. It will be hard to enjoy the harvest. It will be hard to pick the fruit. It will be hard to become satisfied off of the very things that you two produce. Nothing will work when you are unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That goes for the man, that goes for girlfriend, the confidant, mama, daddy, everybody. You either going to believe me, believe with me, or you're not. So, mama, i got to hang up the phone because you over here telling me that because I let him out, like he's a kid, because I let him out, I can rest assured that he's going to cheat on me. And I'm over here trying to keep my mind together to say I want to believe the best in him. And you're telling me that I'm wrong. i got to hang up right now, Mama, because at the end of the day, you are an unbeliever. There are times where she, you know, somebody's trying to open your eyes to something that's going on. But I'll tell you what, God can do that. God can do that. Better yet, the next time you sit on it. It will feel different. And let me just pause right there. Let me, let me tell you why it feels different. You don't have to necessarily know that there is uh, some infidelity going on. The next time he, he comes from a woman, you have sex, something will feel very wrong. And this is why. Every time we have sex with someone, we become one with their spirit immediately. Outside of the marriage ceremony, we become one. So if we have been one for all this time, 
or maybe for a short time. Maybe that's how you do. I don't know, okay? But if we've been one for this amount of time and he goes out there and he sleeps with somebody else and he's connected to that spirit, well, guess what, boo? You don't have one lay in the pipe. You got a girl and whoever she was connected with and whoever he was connected with that was connected with her, you got all them people, all them souls, all them spirits coming back to lay with you. And there's a violation that sounds off in your spirit. Well, wait a minute, something's wrong here. It don't even curve the same. Excuse my French. Something is off here. And that's when, you know, you start to looking, you start to checking, and you start to doing all that because you just, something is not right. God will let you know. He has a way of letting you know. You don't have to rely on mama to tell you that you're stupid for not keeping him in the house because that's what destroyed mama's marriage in the first place. She didn't trust him. And he was he wanted to be trusted. He may have had everything else, but if the trust was most important to him and he didn't have it, boom, I'm ghost, I'm gone. God will let you know he has set you up to be a, a nurturer, to receive information. That's why we have a vagina. That's why we have a womb. We receive a deposit. We know when it's there. I remember one time, I, you know, I immediately knew when I was pregnant with Naya. Because the moment it was over, I oh, oh, God, no. Crying out to God. I was crying out to God for I did it. But, you know, I just didn't want a baby. But I knew without a test, without having to wait, and the moment it was over, good God, oh, I feel it. Why? Because something changed on the inside of me, and it felt just a little too familiar, okay? So uh, rely on God. He will tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. There have been times where uh, I've been convicted of going through the things to see if I could find anything, and the Holy Spirit was like, stop it. I have him. I have him. You're doing this for nothing. Stop it. Years after, you know, he he hadn't cheated in I don't know how long, but yet I was still because I don't want nobody wants to be played a fool, nobody wants to be humiliated, humiliated. But that's the risk that we take, and if you're not willing to take that, take that risk, and you're not really interested in loving him, because some folks will get cheated on, just like some some people gamble away the money, and some people don't pay the house note. And some people drink too much, and some people have a habit. It's all kind of things you're going to go through. You cannot, you're, you are not exempt from that process. If it's not this man, it'll be another man. You have to go through something. And what it should do is make you and not break you if you are with the right one, okay? So God will let you know. Uh, so, uh, so Stormy again says, in Second Corinthians 6, 6 and 14, the Bible says we must not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Whoever ain't on your team, whoever's not willing to ride, that's an unbeliever, okay? This doesn't mean we can never be around anyone who isn't a Christian. 
But our closest, most influential relationships should be with people who know and love the Lord or there will be consequences. The righteous should choose friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray, Proverbs 12 12 and 26. Now let's go back to homie. Homie that got pissy drunk at the club, okay, that uh, your companion said, I don't want to deal with him, okay? I won't be bothered with him. You got to let him go out to find out he don't want to be bothered with him. If he doesn't get around him to understand, this is not what I want. And you may have that type of man who needs that. Some men don't need that. They know what they want. They do, you know, they where they want to be. But some people don't know what they want till they get what they don't want. And he will come back in. You know what? That's not the type of company that I want to keep. They'll, they'll stay away from the wicked. You don't have to use wicked words, okay, before they leave and when they come back to uh, convince them or coerce them to stay away from the wicked. Yes, the wicked will lead them astray. But if they don't know that that's not what they want, how will they stay home? How will they stay away from the wicked? So we want to make sure that when... Something on the inside tells us that one ain't right. It's not a good friend to him. This is what I pray. God, let them find out immediately. Somebody calls me, oh, singer, um, I met this new guy, and uh, I think I'm in love, and this turned out, oh, yeah, I'm very happy for you. And when I hang up that phone, my prayer is, God, if that's the man that you have for her, if that's the husband that you have for her, then let them stick together. But if not, I want them gone in a week. In a week, and I put a time frame on it because the longer your heart is invested, the harder it is and the, and the worse it hurts. But that money, before that week is out, they call me, girl, that joker is crazy. Do you know? And I'm like, yeah, she so I'm done with him. Okay. God will answer our prayers. So uh, she says, uh, the Bible says the righteous should choose friends carefully, but choosing, they have to know how to choose. It's a process. And I'm not coming away from the word. The word is right. The wicked will lead them astray, but it can only lead them astray if that's what's really in their heart to do, which means that they wicked anyway, okay? Well, this means your man might have some wicked issues, okay? But you want to make sure that you allow them the process to choose. Uh, good friends carefully. Okay, so uh, Stormy goes on to say, that's why it's very important to have a church home where it's possible to meet the kind of people you need. Choose to be around the highest quality people you can, the ones whose hearts are aimed toward God. Everybody has a feeling about church. But I say this. When I was out there drinking, um, you know, fornicating, doing all kinds of things that were very fun but very displeasing to God. My church was the club, okay? When you do certain things, when you live a certain way, your life will follow. And when I got saved, when I wanted to do better, when I wanted to know God better, when I wanted to learn his word, I didn't just read my Bible. I went and I asked him to lead me to a church. 
and he led me there. We just left there for actually 12 years. This last Sunday was our last Sunday because my husband had to move into uh, pastoring. So we were there for 12 years. And let me tell you, I found this church. I told you earlier about uh, Evangelist uh, Skinner and Evangelist Dix who, you know, we would go to the Apostle House. Well, they went to this church. And I said, you know, Tracy, uh, that's Evangelist Skinner. I said, I'm going to come to your church tonight. She said, okay, well, meet me there. I hope you get there. And um, don't be late because I have to do praise and worship and I can't be late. I said, okay. Well, I got lost on her on the way to her house. I was late. She was gone. She meant it. I thought she would have waited for me. No, she did not. <laughs> um, I was very disheartened because I really wanted to go. So I said, well, you know what? I've seen Cranford on the parkway. Why don't I just try and find it? You know, worse come to worse, I just turn around, come back. I'm only in Newark. Let me go try and find it. So um, I make a left to get on, what is that, South Orange Ave. And I had a habit of not blocking the street, not blocking side streets, because if people need to come out into the traffic to make a left or make a right, I didn't want to block them. So I turned out, I made a left, drove up to the next corner. I made sure that I didn't block the side street, but we were also at a light. I bowed my head real quick. I said, Father, I really want to go to church. And if you could just help me get there, you know I don't have a great sense of direction when it comes to maps, and I do get, you know, afraid. But if you could just help me get there, um, I'd appreciate it. But But help me get there if this is where you want me to go. By the time I opened my eyes, there was an ambulance in front of me that said, Cranford Ambulance. All I could do was laugh. All I could do was laugh out of joy, out of praise, out of things like, really, guys? What is a Cranford Ambulance doing in the in Newark anyway? Well, I got one friend who calls bad dad. What is, what is Cranford Ambulance doing in Newark? And wouldn't it be just like you to put it right in front of me? I followed that Cranford ambulance all the way to Cranford. I said, well, if anybody's going to know which streets are, they will excuse me. You know where 43 Johnson Avenue is? They say, yeah, make a right at this light, take it straight down, and across from the path mark sign is Elise Street. You turn left onto Elise Street, make a right on uh, Johnson Ave. Church is on your left. If you pass the path mark sign, you went too far. Found it and was there ever as of until last Sunday, 12 years we were there. So um, when it comes to finding a church home, if that's one of your dilemmas or if that's something that you're considering, pray. Ask God, where do you want me to go? Where, what do you want me to do here when I get there? And when you get there, you got to rest assured that the same way you may have a girlfriend that has a heart of gold, but she don't know how to keep her legs closed, it's going to be somebody in church that has a heart of gold and they just don't know how to keep their legs closed. You know how you get together at that family meeting, at that family gathering at Thanksgiving, and you got your crazy drunk uncle and your thieving cousin, but they're your family. And, you know, if they, if, if, if they just wouldn't drop when they was a baby, maybe they wouldn't be so, you know. It's the same thing in church. I don't know why people expect church people in church to be, I don't know, not have any issues. Why, why do we think that? That's why they come, because they've got issues. 
Jesus said, I came for the sick, not for the healed. I came for the people who need Jesus, not for people who already got me. And if you think you got them good enough, then you definitely still need them because we can never have too much. So um, if you're going to find a church home, you got to ask God where he wants you to go. And then if it's time to leave, you got to make sure that you're obedient to leave as well. All right, it's 58. Let me hurry up and finish reading this. Okay. Um, Stormy says, pray also for your husband to have godly male friends. And when he finds them, give him time to be with them without criticism. Those friends will refine him as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's in Proverbs 27 17. They will be a good influence. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. I don't have time to even explain what that means. But basically, when, oh boy, when your companion links up, with a brother who is all for him, who is equally yoked in their beliefs for you and uh, for him and for your relationship and for what you're going to have, he will feel encouraged. He don't need another woman. He got his woman and he got his bro, his bro, his brother. And both of you are encouraging him to be the best man he can be. It makes them float. And there's no, you know, no homo, but it makes them float. It makes them feel good about being a good man because there's so many men out there that aren't. It makes them feel good. I have somebody that 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 is glad that I'm deciding to stay home and spend time. I have somebody that won't consider me a punk because I'm saving up money to take my family on vacation. It makes them very happy. It makes them very secure and encouraged. So you want to pray um, for, um, you know, people whose hearts are aimed toward God, but you also want to make sure that you're not cussing them out if they decide, you know, they're going to go chill for a little bit. You know, now if you sense that uh, this new friend, you know, likes your man, then, we, then again, we just going to keep on praying. Huh? Jesus, we got this. <laughs> All right. Okay, so let me continue. So Stormy says, after we, after we had children, Michael worked every day and night during the week. And on the weekends, he spent all of his spare time on the golf course or at uh, baseball and football games with his friends. There were many bitter arguments about that. But no changes happened until I started praying that God would convict him and turn his heart toward home. God did a much better job than I ever could have. Often men have fewer close friends than women because of the way their time is consumed with establishing their careers. They don't take the necessary steps to develop close friendships like we do. That's where prayer can make a difference. Even if your husband is not a believer, you can still pray for him to have godly friends. A close friend of mine has a husband who doesn't know the Lord, and we have prayed many times for him to have godly friends and be in contact with believers where he works. God has now brought so many strong Christians into his life that we laugh about how the Lord has surrounded him. Pray about all of your husband's relationships. He needs to have good relationships with his parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, coworkers, and neighbors. 
And on the flip note, ladies, I say that if his parents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, coworkers, and neighbors are not encouraging him to be the best man uh, that he can be, and if those same group of people are not encouraging you to be the best woman that you can be, then pray that they be removed from both your lives. Because love is not a game. My heart is not a game. My attention is not a game. My effort is not a game. My sacrifice is not a game. My money is not a game. Love is not a game. My uh, Susie down below, she don't play no games either, and she surely ain't playing with Johnny, okay, if that's his name for it. Love is not a game, and we don't have time to sit here and think that we can allow people to tiptoe into our relationships and plant little weeds in, within our, with our seeds just because that's my mom, that's my dad, or that's my sister, or that's his brother. No, 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 no. Everybody can get it. When it comes to this love, everybody can get it. They can be uprooted. And when you pray, you won't have to do it. He will. Okay? So she says, uh, Stormy says, pray that none of his relationships be uh, marred by his inability to forgive. A husband who is tortured with unforgiveness is not a pretty sight. Um, earlier in the in the call, we were talking about fighting the wrong fight. And I was saying that he may not be giving you what you need, not because he doesn't have it to give, but because he may be insecure about his giving. He could have had a mother who told him, you'll never do nothing right. That may affect him. And he may not have uh, healed from that. He may not be whole from that. He may not have forgiven her for that. And our the things that take place in our childhood move right into our adulthood. What, what, what's fair game for you is fair game for him. If you were affected by Uncle Chester the molester, thinking not strange that he might have had a Chester the Uncle Chester the molester in his family too. As a matter of fact, the a man who sexually violated me when I was a teenager, when I was 22, God had a talk with me about forgiveness. I would say this and then we're going to go. I was 22. God had to talk with me about unforgiveness. I said, God, are you kidding me? Are you? You've got to be kidding me. Have you seen all that I've been through? I've forgiven so many people. And he said to me, if you saw that man who violated you in heaven, could you hug him? I started shaking. I mean, literally trembling. And I said, Father, why would you even let him in? He said, because if he humbles himself and he turns from his wicked ways, he's entitled to forgiveness. He's entitled to the benefits of having a relationship with me. And you'll be on the outside because you are stuck in unforgiveness. I said, but God, I don't know how. And immediately he used the very thing that he blessed me with to understand. He gave me a vision of this young man, of of this man as a young boy, being sexually violated by another man who looked very much like him. And I said, God, are you showing me what I think you're showing me? He said, yes. He had a disorder. Not to say that it was okay, but to let me know you can overcome this. You don't have to stay in unforgiveness. 
because this man was violated anally by someone in his family. I want to say it was his father, but I'm not quite sure. It could have been an uncle or older brother. But he let me know he did that to you and all the rest of the women because he has a disorder. He took the very thing that happened in his childhood into his adulthood. And unfortunately, it affected you. And the same way the incident that took place with you led for him to be arrested for the, because uh, he was a serial rapist, uh, led for him to be arrested, um, you know, and, and there was victory for all these other women uh, that, you know, nobody could catch him. It's the same way that you will have to pray for him. And I did. And I can honestly say no hard feelings. I remember that ice pick being near my head, though. I remember saying, God, if you could be so kind to not let him kill me after this. And by the time I got myself together, the Holy Ghost said, don't run. If you run, he's going to chase you. I walked out of there. And when I got to the bottom of the steps, it was so dark. It was a place I had never been to, part of Lakewood I had never been to. So it was, everything looked dark. And uh, when I got down to the bottom of the steps, there was a man uh, sitting in his cab with the light on right in front of me. Got in the car. He said, don't worry, I'll take you where you want to go. So even in that instance, I see God. And to this day, everything that the enemy thought would destroy me has made me better and not bitter. And we serve a God to help us heal, but we don't know it if we don't pray. And I know you keep hearing me talking about prayer, and it seems so simple, but the very simple things are the most effective. It's the little things. It's the details, the little things that make the difference. So thinking not strange that something so little as prayer would make all the difference in the world for you to have a happy and successful marriage, a happy and successful love life. There is no need for you to get on this phone and listen to me give you what I think I know if you're not going to apply it. Pray for that man. Pray for him. Not necessarily for him to be changed, but for God's will to be done in his life. And while you pray for him, make sure you pray for you too. Because by the time God God by the time God gets finished making him into the best man he ever could be, you're gonna get the benefit. But you want to be the best woman you could be so that you deserve it, okay? Because cussing him out before he leaves with homie, you are proving you ain't ready. So that is the call for tonight. I want to pray Stormy's prayer, okay? Um, I want to uh, also ask God that he 
Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing the women on the line, oh God, for bringing us together in love and in fellowship and in prayer. God, I want to ask that the fact that they've taken out the time, the sacrifice of time to hear what you have to say about this, God, I'm asking that you touch their entire household, that you do what needs to be done in their minds, in their hearts, in their souls, and in their spirits, and in their finances. Bless them with favor, unlimited, unimaginable favor. Everywhere, they're, everywhere they go, let doors and windows be open, and whatever doors and windows need to be shut, close them and help them to understand and be at peace as to why, God, we ask that you touch the man whether he's there now, whether he's on his way, touch him from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, mind, heart, soul, body, and spirit. God, heal him and make him whole, glory God. Bring him to be the best man that you have called him to be and let your will be done in his life, in her life, and in the, the marriage, in the family, in his finances, in his business. God, save him, set him free, deliver him, fill him with your precious Holy Ghost, and yet save us. Set us free, deliver us, and fill us with your precious Holy Ghost. Lord, we pray for our companions to have good, godly male friends with whom he can openly share his heart. May they be trustworthy men of wisdom who will speak truth into his life and not just say what he wants to hear. Give him the discernment to separate himself from anyone who will not be a good influence. Show him the importance of godly friendships and help me encourage him to sustain them. Give us believing married couples with whom we can feel comfortable sharing our lives. We pray for strong, peaceful relationships with each of his family members, neighbors, acquaintances, and coworkers. Today, we specifically pray for his relationship with anybody that means him no good or does mean him good. Inspire open communication and mutual acceptance of a good person between our companion and them. Let there be reconciliation where there has been estrangement for the people you want in his life. Work peace into anything that needs to be worked out. We pray that in his heart he will honor his father and mother so that he will belong and be blessed in his life. And God, if he does not have a mother and father to honor, you said that when our mother and father forsake us, you will take us up. So take Take him up, Lord. Enable him to be a forgiving person and not carry grudges or hold things in his heart against others. Lord, you said in your word that he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We pray that our companion would never be blinded by the darkness of unforgiveness but continually walk in the light of forgiveness. May he not judge or show contempt for anyone, but remember that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Enable him to love his enemies, bless those who curse him, do good to those who hate him, and pray for those who spitefully use him and persecute him. I pray, we pray that we will be counted as his best friend and that our relationship with one another will continue to grow and be a top priority. Show him what it means to be a true friend and enable him to be one and enable me to be a true friend to him. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So that was a mix of uh, my prayer and Stormy's prayer. It is now 9.13, and um, I don't usually keep you guys on long, but, uh, you know, uh, we got to talk. So I want to tell you I love you. I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm praying for you. Join us next Thursday at 8, okay? We'll be here at um, 8 p.m. And um, just spread the word. Share with somebody. If you think they might want it, 
even if it's your baby mama and her new relationship, I don't know, share with somebody, okay? Have a good night. Talk to you later.